Let's pray together. God, we ask that you give us eyes to see, to see you more clearly in the work that you do in this world and that you may use us to help others see you that much more. In the name of Jesus, amen. I do not know what it's like to be born deaf and then later gain hearing. Have you seen the videos of deaf children hearing for the first time? I do not know what it is like to be born blind and then gain sight. That one's still pretty much a miracle when it happens. And so when it happens in John 9, it's not only a game changer for the person with the new sight, but it's a world changer for everyone around them. And who's to say that Jesus is still not in the business on this brand new day of offering us new sight. And will we have eyes to see? All of John 9 in sections with commentary. So if you've got a Bible near you, you may want to turn to John 9. Um, otherwise, just enjoy the story. So here's John 9, 1 through 7. As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. That is Jesus, is the one going along. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. We get hung up on the disciples' question. Not just in reading this passage, but a lot of times with our lives. We get hung up on the disciples' question, which Jesus shows no concern for whatsoever. What John wants us to see, however, is the impossible made possible. The man has been blind from birth, not recovery of sight for the blind, but new sight, brand new, never before seen, so that the work of God might be put on display in his life. You know what the word displayed means? Especially in light of the repetition of Jesus as the light of the world, the word can also be translated revealed which is pretty much what John is doing with the story of Jesus. He's revealing to us the work of God. Jesus reveals God 
in our midst. In some contexts, the word is unveiled, as in uncovered. Covered up, now it's been uncovered. And I'm wondering, can we see this? This is a poem slash prayer that I've read a hundred times over the last 20 years that just keeps coming back up over and over again. Thank you, Lord, for my eyes, windows, open on the wide world. Thank you for their look that carries my soul as the broad sunbeam carries the light and warmth of your sun. I pray to you during the night. Tomorrow, when I open my eyes to the clear morning, they shall be ready to serve both my soul and my God. May my eyes be clear and straightforward, Lord, and give others a hunger for purity. May my look never be one of disappointment, disillusionment, despair, but may it know how to admire contemplate, adore. May my eyes learn to close in order to find you more easily. But may they never turn away from the world because they are afraid. May my eyes be penetrating enough to recognize your presence in the world. And may they never shut on the afflictions of others. May my eyes be firm and steady, but may they also know how to soften in pity and be capable of tears. May my gaze not soil the one it touches. May it not disturb, but may it bring peace. May it not sadden, but rather may it transmit joy. May it not attract in order to hold captives, but rather may it persuade others to rise above themselves to you. And then the story continues in John 9, 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. He said, I don't know. Is this the real thing? Did this really happen? See, this passage says, yes. Yes, this is the real thing. They say he only looks like him. You get it? Didn't, didn't John telling the story just a genius? He only looks like him. See the language? What are we supposed to see? See, this is what John is doing the whole time. 
with this story? What are, you, what are you going to see in this passage? What are we going to see together as the body of Christ reading this story 2,000 years later? Well, what we're supposed to see is what they were supposed to see, not a miracle. Because you can get stopped there. Did this happen? Yes, it happened. How does he see? I don't know. It's really neat. No, no, no. That's why John calls these signs. They point to God. What are we supposed to see? A man born blind who now suddenly has sight? Well, yeah, but it's bigger than that. What we are supposed to see today is what they are supposed to see back then. Not just with the man born blind, but even this morning as we sit here in worship. What are we supposed to see? The work of God. Which raises a call for us today to keep our eyes open for the work of God all around us. Don't let the world make you lazy to seeing God. It's easy to do, right? Just kind of go through your life, go through your day, go through all of your routines, go through the whole day and never see the work of God. What are we supposed to see? The work of God. And the story keeps going. John 9, 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the eyes was a Sabbath. Okay, do y'all want to do an interactive reading here? Here's an interactive reading. I'm going to read that sentence again. And y'all are going to do with it what some of the original readers and hearers of this story were supposed to do. You know what they did? Exactly. It's called gasping. All right? So here we go again. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. <laughs> that was great. We didn't even have to do the kind of preacher thing. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, good. Y'all did great the first time. Therefore... As my old buddy Edward used to say, anytime there's a therefore in the passage, you're supposed to ask, what is it there for? Right? Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. So you kind of hear the his tone is like, look, how many times am I going to have to tell you people this? He made mud, rubbed it on my eyes, now I see. What does John want us to see? Again, it's just the brilliance of John. How does John start the Gospel of John? Those of you who know the, the first line, just say it out loud. In the beginning. This is a creation narrative. What is Jesus doing with the blind man? He's creating him. Just like God created the very first one of us, you know, by rubbing around in the dirt, however in the world that happened, and then all of a sudden, here's this person. Jesus takes mud. And now, cool thing is, is that, yeah, it's on the Sabbath, on the day when God supposedly did not create, 
Jesus is saying, look, this work is too important. I'm going to keep creating, and I'm even going to do it on the day when you all say nobody's supposed to create. You know why? Because this man and his story and how he is going to put the work of God on display is more important than anything we bring to the table. So, therefore, and he tells them, and then the people who are supposed to be in charge of Scripture do their thing in verse 16. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? Is your eyes he opened? The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and that he had received sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can now see and who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. The parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. More people divided over Jesus. You see the pattern in John? Jesus does these miraculous, wonderful, godly things, reveals God to the people, and every time along the way, and in some of the stories explicitly, Jesus does things and the people divide over Jesus. I said this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to keep imagining this world into existence until it actually happens. I'm so glad we don't have to deal with that anymore, that everybody in Jesus worldwide is united in the name of Jesus. Such a relief. I mean, they're more worried about keeping the law than telling the story of God in people's lives every day. They're more concerned with preserving the past than the glory of God in the present. And I'm a big fan of the past. I like the past. I like reading history and studying history. I just don't want to live there. God is at work today. The living Jesus is among us today. This is what we celebrate. I think that's why we're here. Thanks be to God. And we will continue to imagine this into existence because who's going to stop us? Thanks be to God that all the followers of Jesus today are united, that we do not worship the past, but the living, present Jesus, the saving Jesus. There's no more fear of the religious establishment. You ever been afraid in any point in your life of the religious establishment? You don't have to be afraid. There's no fear. 
No, we're all set free in Christ. Everybody. We are the new creation. To use the words of 2 Corinthians 5, the old has gone, the new has come. 24, a second time. They summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner. He replied. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already. You didn't listen. What do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? They then hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered. Now that is remarkable. I love that sentence. Now that is remarkable. Uh, If this passage was happening somewhere in West Texas, Sometime in the past, he wouldn't have said, now that is remarkable. He would have said one of two things. He could have said, land of Goshen, you know, something like that. Uh, But I had a friend who I I remember when we translated John 9 during one of our Greek classes, we got to this passage and this particular verse. He didn't translate it. Now that is remarkable. It was actually quite genius because what he did was that he took a kind of a colloquial phrase from our time, one that we would use, but it it was subtly brilliant because it tied in to the theme of a man born blind who now can see. So I'm going to translate it the way that he translated it in class. So, you know, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Born blind, now I see. I've told you. They hurled insults. We don't know where he comes from. And the man answered. Now that beats all I ever saw. (laughs) You don't know where he comes from? Yet... He opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How Dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. 
how strange to use the glory of God to condemn someone, as they did in the opening section in verse 24. And thanks be to God that Jesus in John has not come to condemn, but to save. You've heard that, right? How the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to condemn, but to save, to give sight to the blind, and even, and this is kind of a spoiler alert for something that happens later in the story, to give sight to the blind and even life to the dead. Who are the Jesuses around us today? The image of God, but not the powers that be. Who are the Jesuses all around us? Everyone's so worried in this passage about sinners and whether God listens to sinners. You notice that? It just kind of is a theme that keeps coming up in this story, and Jesus just doesn't respond the way that they want him to respond. In fact, they fail to see the beauty of what's right before them. Have you ever been blind? This is where the story turns. And John does this in the last move of the story. He turns the story to a story that was about a man born blind, real sight, Pharisees, arguments, divisions, sinners, and all that kind of stuff. And John turns the story, as John does a lot of times, to the person in the story who's supposed to see more than anyone else is supposed to see, including the blind man who now has sight. You know who the person in the story that's supposed to be able to see everything more than anybody else in the story? It's the reader, the listener. And so what John does is he turns the story to spiritual blindness or our own blindness, things that we can't see that get in the way of putting the work of God on display. Watch carefully and you'll see the point. Last move, 935. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and said, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. What are we blind to? This uh, 
reminds me of the time I asked my dad how much a Ferrari costs. And he said, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. If you have to ask if you're blind, you're probably blind. This is not a story that needs a lot of explanation. Just tell the story. And let Jesus be Jesus. And Jesus gives us new sight. You know how when you realize something, like when you really come to a realization, what you might say at that moment when you realize something, you go, oh, I see. And there are things that we are blind about, but it doesn't have to be so. Jesus offers us new sight. New sight today. So what's it going to be? I know what it's like to choose blindness over sight. You know what that's like? Not to be blind, but to actually choose blindness. Because it's familiar. You know what it's like to choose darkness over light? Today, we together, in this place, just by being here with one another, proclaim, instead of darkness, choose the light. Can we see that? That's our question. As we sit on the edge of the new creation, having gained new sight here in this brand new world without end,